0: We do come to you tonight to worship you, to adore you, and Lord, we know that you have provided everything we need. You are our sustainer and our savior, and for that, Lord, we are deeply indebted. Tonight, I pray that you would be with us as we look into your word, that you would guide our hearts. We are not worthy to stand before you. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work in each and every life that your words from the Scriptures would apply to our hearts and prepare us for the week ahead, that we could go forth and be witnesses for you in this community. Give us opportunities to speak, boldness to proclaim the gospel. And Lord, you would receive all the glory. We pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles tonight, I invite you to open up to probably the most familiar scripture. If I had to ask you what is the most familiar scripture in all of the Bible, what would you tell me? Very good, class. Go right there. John 3.16. Obviously, if I'm standing here, Pastor Dave is not doing well. And so let's be praying for him this week. He uh, obviously is feeling rough tonight, so let's pray for him that uh, he'll be back to strength soon and be able to be back here, because I know there's probably no place he'd rather be than standing right here. I've heard this verse described as the 25 greatest Words in the English language. So think about all of the great speeches, plays. I mean, if you think about the English language and you've studied English very much, you probably have studied Shakespeare somewhere along the way, and you could begin to think about some of the phrases and some of the uh, acts, if you will, from the from the Shakespearean plays, and you might remember some pieces of that from some torture point in your academic past you know. um, but of all the english language we come to this verse which is a tremendous verse and as we've talked about it uh tonight uh it's it's we all know it right it's one of the first verses you learn uh, as a child uh, in sunday school or vacation bible school or wherever that opportunity presents itself the bible says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friends, that is the gospel message in one single verse. And it is a verse that you can take and you can use it as your opportunity to witness to those around you. I always like when I'm studying scripture to what I call zoom out and zoom in. I want to understand the the big context within which this verse this verse of course is found in John chapter 3 and you recall that in John chapter 3 it's when Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews goes to Jesus when did he go? by night he was afraid of those Jewish leaders that obviously hated Christ hated that message and so he went by night and this passage is one of those passages where Christ is talking to Nicodemus and instructing Nicodemus and answering his questions and so that context in that context we have these 25 words that have so much meaning and so much uh, impact to the gospel message down through the ages and so tonight we're going to spend a few minutes looking at this and and at the end of the night I want to give you a challenge And I want to challenge you to what's here in this passage and invite you in the next week to share this message with somebody, whoever God brings across your pathway, and that'll be the challenge, and we'll talk about that toward the end. But for right now, let's look at the very—we're going to break this into phrases, and we're just going to look at a number of scriptures, and I'll give you a great number of scriptures, some of which you can write down, some of which— uh, you can just listen as we go along. For God so loved the world. Think about that phrase for a moment. You, I've heard many people say, well, you could take that word world out and we could place our name right there. For God so loved Rodney. Or you could place your name there. For God so loved me. Okay. Billions of people on the face of the earth today but God so loved you as an individual that all the rest of that verse goes with it. I have a privilege on Wednesday nights to teach through the miracle of technology. I teach a Bible study in Warrenville, South Carolina, every Wednesday night, and uh, it's at a senior center. It's not a nursing home, but it's a it's a place where uh, folks who are up in age can come together. It's basically a low-income kind of apartment complex. And we go in there, and there's usually 15 to 20 uh, residents that come each Wednesday night. And for three years, we've had this lady who's, I won't give you her name, but this lady who is a a Jewish lady. Um, She's not a Christian. She's friends with one of the residents there. And she's come for three years. And every Wednesday night, not because of me or any of that, But because she's friends with one of the residents, she comes and she listens. And we've been witnessing to her for a long time. This past Easter Sunday, she came with her friend to our church on a Sunday morning. She must be close to 70 years of age, and she has never set foot in a Christian church in her life until this past Easter Sunday. And she came in... And she really enjoyed the sermon. It really enjoyed the whole message, the singing, all that. I've never been to a synagogue. I want to do that one of these days. But I've never been to a synagogue. And I thought, I don't have any idea what the difference between her worship service and ours might be. Um, if you want to know what Breezy Hills Worship Service is, it looks a lot like this, okay? You'd be right at home. If you ever get to South Carolina, come on. We'd love to have you uh, visit with us. But she came and she enjoyed that service. And she, when she left, she got out on the Internet. And, you know, you can find anything on the Internet, good, bad, and in between. Um, but her question that she went onto to the Internet with was, does Jesus love non-christians that A good question to be asking does jesus love non-christians and of course when tina saw this and, and she was able to uh, talk with her more this past wednesday night uh, she was answering that question and it comes right to this verse for god so loved the world does jesus love non-christians yes he does By the way, what do you call Jewish people after they accept Christ? Christians, right? And and so he loves non-Christians. He loves Christians. He loves the whole world. We can all put our name right in that particular phrase. Let's think about the world for just a moment, this phrase. When you think about God loving the world... I can't get very far beyond Genesis chapter 1, and you recall the, the uh, creation story. At the end of every day, God had a phrase. Do you remember what that phrase was? And God looked, and it was good. It was good, right? Every day until he got to the end. And then he said it was very good, right? his whole creation. God loves his creation. You see it throughout the scriptures over and over and over again that God references back to his creation, and he loves that creation. He loves this world. He populated it with people, and he loves each and every one. And so when we are talking to our friends and neighbors, most of the people we pass elbow to elbow in the grocery store, at the gas station, wherever your life takes you, they're looking for someone to care about them, someone to love them. And folks, we should be those that someone because we represent Christ and He certainly loves them and God loves the world because it's very good. James one seven says, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Okay? Every good and perfect gift. The world right now is chasing after. When we look at American culture today and we see where it's going, and it's called post-Christian culture in america isn't that a shame that we've reached the place that we call it a post christian it's an after christian influence our influence as christians has become so weak in our american culture that the culture has left it behind and we've just seen this eroding so much even in the last five to ten years every good gift comes from above the world is looking for gifts that's what the whole lottery system's about, right? You're looking for something. But the free gift, the best gift is right here found in Jesus Christ. I I have this conversation from time to time with non-believers who are in particular in the millennial generation, the younger folks, and they are struggling to understand how bad things happen to good people. It's a constant theme. And as a Christian today, you better have a good answer for that because it's going to come up quite frequently in your conversations. Why do bad things happen to good people? And they'll give you their particular family story or whatever. Deuteronomy 10.13 says, For thy good. It's talking about the commandments there. Those Old Testament commandments... That so much of the world says, oh, that's, that's, that's the old, t- it's, it's ugly, it's sacrifice, and it's blood, and it's, oh, it's all. But yet in Deuteronomy 10, uh, 13, God says, for thy good. Those commandments were given to the children of Israel for their good. And law and order is for us even today good. It has a benefit. God loves us. For God so loved the world. That's the first phrase. second phrase is, is he gave his only begotten son. It was interesting in the message this morning. Remember we were talking about love. And the first time you come across that word love is when Abraham and Isaac are at that moment of Isaac being the sacrifice. And God tells to Abram, It's the son that you love. For God so loved the world. Our pastor in South Carolina is a young man, just about 30 years old, and they've had their first baby who's about 11 months old. For our Easter service, with our Jewish friend in attendance, he brings his 11-month-old daughter, and he says, I cannot imagine sacrificing my child... For any of you, but that's what God did with His Son. He sacrificed His Son. He gave the most precious gift in all of history was His Son. Now that little child that my pastor was holding, sinner, okay, sinner needs needs salvation, right? But you all who are parents, you know that love. It's it's the most inexplicable thing. I'll tell you a quick little story. I was worried to death when our second child was coming, because I couldn't figure how in the world am I going to love the second one as much as I love the first one. It just it. And then when they arrive, it's not a problem. It just it, it's not like there's just a certain amount of love in your heart. It just sort of multiplies. We had four, and every time it you know just. It's it's an amazing thing to see God's love shed in someone's heart and, and you know, how he provides that for us. He loved Christ, and he gave us the most precious gift. We talked about uh, the, the passage where Abraham offered up Isaac. That's found in Hebrews chapter 11 in that hall of fame of faith. Uh, Abraham is in there on several different cases, but in this particular case, where he was willing to offer up Isaac. It's an example for us to follow, and it gives us a sense of God's love for us, that he would give Christ uh, as his gift to us. 1 Peter 2.6 says that Christ is the chief cornerstone, elect and precious. So that's our Jesus, and he is that precious sacrifice that God gave. The third phrase says, whosoever will, and, and I, I just love that phrase, whosoever believeth in him. Okay? So whosoever, I love that word because that includes me, whosoever will may come. And it's a promise that God has given us. Revelation 22, verse 17 says, whosoever taketh of the water of life freely. It's a free gift. It's an amazing thing when someone would would hear the gospel of Christ and reject it and walk away from it. It's a free gift. You'd have to be out of your mind to do that. Some people are. Some people are just blinded by tradition, they're blinded by their religion, blinded by many things. And that's why as Christians, as we share the gospel message, we must do it consistently, many times over and over again. I can tell you, that dear lady who has come to our Bible study, so faithful, it's every week, it's 50 times a year, 150 times maybe in three years. And yet, it's, it's just, you just keep putting it out there. So perhaps you have a loved one and, and they're away from the Lord or they, they've never known the Lord and you're, you're praying for them. Let me just encourage you tonight, just keep, keep on giving them the message. Be consistent. Allow God to work in your life so that you can give a consistent message. Romans 4, 5 has a very important uh, phrase in it that we need to consider because I can tell you most of the people you're going to run into are religious people. They have some level of religion in their life. Um, And when they do that, uh, without exception... Religion. By the way, we're not religious people. We are Christians. Let's don't get confused about those terms, all right? Somebody that looks at your life, you live a good life as a Christian, they're going to say you're a religious person. We know what they mean. But religion is about me doing something to be good enough that God will, his favor will shine on me. That's what religion is about. The gospel is about I can do nothing good enough for God to ever love me, but He loves me anyway. Okay? And so we understand religion, and that's part of our open culture in America. It's part of the, the conflicts. People see religious people who are killing others in the name of their religion. Well, that, that's, there's righteousness and there's wickedness. And some religions are wicked, Okay? And so that's, that's part of that understanding of what's really going on. Romans 4, 5 says, To him that worketh not. And so the Bible is talking about religious people who they work. They're, they rely on their works. It's almost in, without exception, you're going to run into people who, who are religious and they'll start telling you all the things that they do the way that they help people, the way that they, depending on, you know, they count beads or they say so many prayers or whatever their religion teaches them to do, they do all of these things. And they're trusting in their works to make them acceptable to God. And, And with my heart breaking, I talk to those people and say, you know, you know you're not there. You know you don't measure up to God's standard. All your good works, just down here. To him that worketh not, stop working. Start believing. Trust in Christ. Trust his work, his finished work for our lives. So we've zoomed out. We've seen about where this, this passage fits, where these 25 great words the last phrase is, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, folks, we're looking forward to heaven. But let's don't start living when we get to heaven. We can start now. Okay, We can start loving God today. We can start enjoying the, the joy of being a Christian today. And that is the witness to those who are around us when life looks bleak, when we have those bad days, when we have those things. And and I'm sure if we took the time, we could go around every family here. You've got sickness. You've got sin-wrecking part of your family or people in your family. and It's part of our condition. And yet, we can have this huge joy that in spite of all those things, we love every day. We wake up excited to what God's going to do today. That's the joy of Christian living. Become the happy Christian. That may not be. I, I gotta say that's not my personality. My personality is actually kind of quiet, and and I usually don't say a whole lot until something hits one of my hot buttons, and then I explode. You know, and then you know, and then people are always surprised at that. And and I know that that's the way I do it because I've taken enough of those psychology tests when you work with the nuclear business, and that's what they tell me. And I'm going, yep, that's probably me. My wife looks at it and she says, yeah, that's definitely you. We're not going to perish, we're going to have everlasting life. No matter what happens to us from this point to the day that we pass away to the point we become in God's presence. And the great exciting thing is we might not pass away, right? We're still here. Jesus can come back at any moment. Have you ever thought about what that moment is going to be like? You can read about it in Scripture. I'll tell you, I used to be early in my career. I was in broadcast engineering. I was working at a radio station one night. It was about 10 minutes till midnight. And I was the announcer and I had the headphones on and and I was getting ready to. I think I was actually talking about something. I don't remember what. But at that moment, our transmitter, which was about three or four hundred yards out the the backside of the building, uh, blew the last stage tube. It blew up, and of course, it knocked the transmitter off the air. And when it did, it had such an effect on the station that there was a there was a flash of of darkness and, and light and everything got quiet and so when you're talking on the radio they feed back to your ear and and you you get used to that sound of your voice going and and this so there was this flash and then now i'm talking but i can't hear myself in the in my ear anymore it's just me talking so a very distinct difference and i've always thought from that moment i said you know that's what the, that's what it's going to be like when jesus comes it's going to be a flash it's going to be a bang and it's you know and there and and it's going to be different and so the long story of that short story was we, we had to work all night to get the transmitter back on the air, but that was, that was another thing. But that, was, that has always been my moment of, okay, it's going to be a flash. It's going to be, the Bible says, when we don't expect it. Okay? You're just going to be doing ordinary life. And I wonder, what if it were tonight? Are you ready? Would you be Happy? Would you be the one who says, "Oh Lord, it's so good to see you," or you go, "Oh Lord, if I just had another week, if I just had another time to tell somebody, if I'd, Lord, I, Lord, you know I've been away from you, but I, I wish I was closer to you because now you're back. What would, where would you be?" And I ask that question, and I come to the to the challenge for tonight, folks, as Christians, as believers. <laughs> On Sunday mornings, I, again, through the modern technology, I, I attend my Sunday school class in South Carolina. And uh, one of the ladies in that class was saying today, I, I just wonder what it's like to hear God's voice. That's a good thing to wonder. And I told her, you're going to get the opportunity. Have you ever thought about it? We're going to hear God's voice with our ears someday. Okay? That's going to happen all that we have, the joy that we have before us of being a Christian, it's the most valuable thing in the world. Wherever they keep, whether it's Fort Knox or uh, Denver Mint or wherever they keep all the gold, all the treasures of this nation and the nations around the world, if we had access to that, If we had won the lottery, by the way, I have as much opportunity to find the winning ticket as I do to buy it. So, you know, I never buy one, okay? That's gambling. We wouldn't do that. But if, you you know, that $100 million or $500 million suddenly came into your your hands, what would you do with it? Who would you take care of? Let me ask you, forget that. That's wood, hay, and stubble. What you have is eternal life and the joy of living for Christ day in and day out. Would you share that? Would you share that with somebody today? Because folks, everybody you know, everybody you meet, we all have the same destiny. Someday we'll stand before God in judgment. And we can either stand before Him as a sinner, or we can stand before him under the covered blood of Jesus Christ as a saint. That's everybody's opportunity. You have the most wonderful gift in your hands, 25 of the world's greatest words in the English language. I want to challenge you tonight. Find some way to share it with somebody this week. That means you got to... Yeah, that neighbor... That maybe moved in a year and a half ago, and you 've never really kind of gotten over there I know y'all don 't ever do that <laughs> i 've done that, <laughs> but you know we got neighbors on one side of us they 're the fastest people in the door i 've ever seen can 't hardly I know, it took us about six months to catch them so but, uh, we have a great gift let 's share it in joy and in Thanksgiving in this week ahead let 's pray i am invite the instrumentalists to come. Uh, As we're praying, Lord, we do thank you for loving us, for loving the world, providing Jesus Christ to be that sacrifice so that, Lord, we could enjoy fellowship with you today. And we certainly have a great hope to look forward to. The blood, the book, and the blessed hope are all promises for us. And tonight, Lord, as we just take a few moments, we're going to give an invitation just... Won't sing, but we just want to stand and let the instrumentalist play. And Lord, if there's someone here tonight that needs to get right with you, needs to uh, dedicate their heart to you, I pray that you'll draw them to yourself. Let's stand together as the instrumentalists play.